Hey everyone, welcome to That Triathlon Life Podcast. I'm Eric Lagerstrom. I'm Paula Finley. I'm Nick Goldston. Uh, Eric and I are pro triathletes. Nick is a pro musician, amateur triathlete, and we are here to answer all of the questions we've accumulated this week, which is a lot. Well, I have a question right off the bat. Beyond or impossible meet? Uh, is this a rapid fire? I thought we already is like went over this. It's not a rapid fire. We're just warming up. <laughs> We talked about it in private, and I don't think we came to a conclusion. Uh, yeah. Well, no, Beyond. it's funny. We actually had Beyond Burgers just now for dinner. Um, and I would say Beyond, probably, but I don't even know why we like them. I like meat burgers better. I think the big thing is just if, if you're going for something that is the closest representation of meat, I think the... Beyond. The Beyond. I feel like the Beyond is just like a really good flavor, and it's not. it does not make me think of meat. I just like it for oh, what it is. Oh, interesting. And the, whatever the other option is... It, kind of is a little bit more I think they tried to imitate meat mm, that's maybe. my feeling wait which is the one that when you cook it like it it's pink like meat and then it browns like meat only one of them does that right beyond beyond does that I see but uh, we're not vegetarians I think we just started eating them to try them and they just like come in a two pack at Safeway and they're an easy right. dinner to have so legitimately I mean I love the, the beyond ones me too I like them a lot so we don't just talk about burgers <laughs> Eric something I wanted to talk about before we haven't really talked about is how the brand that triathlon life started like what was it born out of where did the idea start why was it created did you, did you and Paula create it together or was it originally just your idea um I'd say it's it's kind of like the continuation of just a feeling that I've had for a long time of wanting to bring a lot of excitement to the sport like I watched a lot of um, like snowboard and surfing fil- films growing up, and and like the excitement and the energy that I got out of those, I wanted to try to bring that into triathlon and and hopefully get new people excited about the sport, but just kind of like communicate the energy that I feel when I go out on bike rides. So so that's like where the media side of it came from. But as far as turning into a real brand, that that certainly didn't happen until Paula came along, and and there was more to it than just me making movies about myself. I didn't have anything to do with calling it that triathlon life. At first I thought it was so dumb. Still think it's a bit silly. (laughs) I honestly thought it was dumb when I came up with it too, (laughs) but it kind of stuck. I was like, oh, of course it's called that triathlon life. But we reached out on Instagram because after doing several vlogs, we thought maybe we should have a logo more for the intro of the YouTube videos, less to put on clothing. That was never really the intention. So we just kind of called out on Instagram, does anyone have a background in designing logos? Does anyone have any interest in helping us with this? And like miracle that Ralph Dunning reached out to us, who is just a pioneer in the everything. I don't know. Branding. He's Branding. A, he, exactly. He, he was the guy who said that Cervello should put the E like on the head tube what? and on the down tube. Yeah, he what? was. That was him. Cervello hired him to like do a full rebrand for them around like the CSC days. Wait, and I guess he'd been watching some of our vlogs and said he'd help with our logo which is amazing am i crazy is he not the foreign rider guy Those, yeah. yes same guy yeah wow yeah he's jesus so his brand is foreign rider <laughs> if you're listening to this you should look that up he is based out of toronto and all of his clothing is what we aspire to create yeah. and, and basically he kind of pushed us to make it into a, a full-blown brand we like a couple of people had asked if you know if, if we're ever going to make a t-shirt or something like that, but we just wanted to have a pro look for the YouTube and he like really talked me and, and I eventually talked Paula and well, anyway, we, 
he he convinced us like this is a real thing this should be an actual brand like people identify with this and it's got power so um, which was awesome to hear a good confirmation of what we were kind of heading in the direction that i was dreaming or hoping it's funny because you say that like you know the idea was yours originally and paul you're like you just kind of came in but now, like Eric tells me straight up, he's like, basically, if Paula wears it, I know it's good. But if she doesn't, I know no one's going to like it. Paula's the litmus test for all the clothing. She knows what <laughs> works and what doesn't work. To a certain extent, yeah. yeah. Like I think a lot of triathletes have a different style than I have. I'm a little more subtle and cool colors. But um, the, the other end of the spectrum is really bright, um, I big forgot. logos. Yeah, that's true. Actually, most of triathlon seems to be bright, busy, big logos, right? Yeah, so we have to find a, a gentle balance of the two. Right. Yeah. Good question, though. Nice. Yeah. No, it's it's an ever-evolving thing, man. It's it's really, it's, it's super fun. Even the stuff that you guys like tease today on Instagram for Oceanside, that's like the specific stuff that's only going to be, like, do you think you're only going to sell it at Oceanside? Do you think you might also sell yeah. it on the site? Yeah, we got really limited numbers of them, but I guess if we have extras, we'll put them on the site. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think we only have... Um... Don't tell the numbers. Okay, well, not a ton. <laughs> Ten. <laughs> Ten. Ten. You better five. be we there. We have five shirts, so <laughs> One of each be size. there. <laughs> um, that's great. Well, Eric today also te- texted me with the workout that he did. I'm assuming you guys both did it. You guys swam, biked, and ran today? Yeah, real hard today workouts. Was a big yeah, day, so. that's... If we just lose our train of thought at any point, <laughs> that's why. That's great. That's great. And so, Nick, you're racing the LA Marathon next weekend. Yeah, it'll be my first so time tapering. not walking a marathon. My PR is eight hours. You told me your goal was under 345, and I think you're going to run closer to three hours. Oh, well, I'm not going to run closer to three hours because I won't even let myself run that. Unless maybe at the last like 10K, if I'm really like, wow, this I screwed up, I should have gone harder. We'll see. Yeah. I'm going to put in a surge and go from 3.30 to (laughs) three-hour marathon. Yeah, I'll just be running five-minute miles the rest of the way, just screaming. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it'll be interesting. I have a lot of friends doing it. Um, I Really, I'd just like to be able to run the whole thing. And it's it's right now, it's just to get a marathon under my belt before trying to do it at the end of an Ironman. Yes. Just to to remember what that feels like. Just to see how much it sucks. It sucks. It's going (laughs) to suck. It's going to be terrible. No, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I think it'll be great. And the weather's looking to be really, really good for it. Did you want to like know about our um, workout or? Yeah, well, you did. Before Paula just like quickly. You did text it to me. uh, And I thought thought it was a typo. So why don't you tell us what you did? We started off the day. We did a swim. It was about a 4,500 meter swim. And it was 10 200s. We do short course meters. Um, and, uh, the leaving time was two fifty. I was coming in around two twenty, and then we, I don't know what Paula was. Doing. I was coming in under two thirty, but it was really unfair because when he puts leaving times, Eric gets 10 seconds extra rest than me. Right. Of course. It's a completely different set. Right. It is a different set. <laughs> so I'm working harder. Yeah. You Who are. knows though? Was it, was it, am I getting 10 seconds more rest? Yeah. Or I would is say Paula getting 10 seconds less rest. <laughs> like what, who is it designed for? <laughs> So we should just go straight in the middle. Paolo's but. just trying to torture you guys. Yeah. 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 Um, and then um, we took a little bit of a break, just like had some bagels or whatever. And then we had this real rough bike workout. It worked out. It actually went pretty well. Four by eight minutes with two minutes rest. Very hard. Yeah. Well above 70.3 pace. Oh, uh, no. My goal pace. Oh really? They were above. They were above my actual seventy point three pace. I'll say that the watts that Eric sent me were definitely above his seventy point three pace. Yeah, because <laughs> it was crazy. I was too. 
I went 285 on all of them. Yeah, that's... You, I mean, you're awesome, Paula, but you're not holding 285 for a 7.3. I'm confident there are quite a few guys who would be pretty happy if they there, held that for a 7.3. Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, that's great. And then what about the run? Just a chill Jim. run, 45 minutes. We took Chimmy, Lindsay Corbin's dog, and Flynn. We did um, VO2 lactate testing last Friday, which was really interesting. I've actually never done a VO2 max test before in all of my years of being what? a pro What? You've never done? Like Canada didn't no. even make you do one for the Olympics no. and stuff? If you're just crushing everything, they're just, <laughs> they're just like, like, yeah, yeah, they just fine. leave you alone. <laughs> <laughs> no. So anyway, that's why our numbers were so high because based on our power our lactate results and all of those things, our coach gave us now very specific zones Uh or wattages to hit. So like having good tests means that now our training is harder, (laughs) which is good and bad, I guess. Uh, That's why the targets were so insane. Is that kind of daunting though? When you're like, wait a second, I felt like I was working hard before and now you're telling me all my training zones were too low. Like I'm supposed to be working harder or were you like, Oh no, this is great. I'm stoked. uh, I get to work harder. And it's not like astronomically higher than what I used to do, but Paulo never really gave us ranges before. He would just say solid. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, if I hit 250 to 260, that's pretty good. But I would always like actually do 280. Like, and I felt good about myself. So now I'm like, oh, I have to do 280. That's on the schedule. Right. Yeah. It's It's more realistic. (laughs) I don't know. But it also doesn't leave any room for feeling bad and having like a bad workout, quote unquote. Right. Because before you could have a bad workout, but still meet the demands whereas now exactly. a bad workout is below <laughs> what yeah, you're supposed exactly. to do right cool well yep. i think we'll move on to before we do questions i want to do a little uh bike tech with eric, bike tech with eric. yes um timely because he's building my bikes right now oh my gosh people don't yep. even realize i've seen some of the photos and some of the the, the footage that bike is crazy cool that frame is one of the most beautiful colorways i've seen yeah i know i can't wait to can't wait to post about it (laughs) slash ride it right um well the first one i had for you eric i had five little little questions for you the first one was saddle angle flat nose up nose down do you feel like there is a right and wrong way is it fully just preference i feel like one of those might be wrong (laughs) but but you just tell me Honest, honestly, I don't think anyone is wrong. It just depends on the person. Um, there's like a school of thought that having the saddle a little bit nose up allows you to like really relax your hips a bit and your in your core because you're not feeling like you're sliding off the front. You have less weight on your hands on the bars, and you can actually, you know, like keep more weight on your saddle, unweight the handlebars. And then just a lot of people feel like they need to go nose down just for like pressure relief in the front there. But like I said, with the last thing, you know, the converse, the flip side of that is you are putting a lot of weight on your elbows, which isn't always good. So and you I, have I think, to scoot back and stuff too to compensate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you look at my saddle, like the front on the TT saddle is very level, but then the back swoops up a little right. bit, which is, I, I, I think that's probably where most people should end up, but like 0.5 degrees one way or another can make a big difference in terms of feel and, and everything. So Something you kind of have to play around with. And Paula, what about you? Do you have? Do you know if your saddle is like level or or pointed in either direction? I think it's a little bit nose down, but I don't know. Yeah, I've, I'd, because I have a Sycon bag that 
you don't have to take the seat or anything off. I just, it's, it's always just, it there. Never like, leave it yeah. how it is. Although last year before Daytona, I was messing around with it so much. It was crazy. Remember, I'd be like in the middle of a workout and I'd be like, mm-hmm. Eric, I need my saddle tilted down. Yep. Wow. I kept wanting it tilted down more. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. It, it definitely is a feel thing. You just have to do what's comfortable. Yeah. If you've been riding bikes for quite a while and you get your fit as close as you can, but then you go out on the actual road and something feels a little bit weird, like moving the, the angle of the saddle or raising the saddle, like go, go millimeters at a time and remember what you did, like have a mark. Like it does, I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing to like dial in a little bit by feel on the road. Yeah, I agree. Right. Cool. Um, okay. Next is how often should people be lubing their chain once every year? Right. That's what I do. That's uh, what Lindsay does too. Yeah, good. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say Lindsay are perfect. <laughs> Sounds like a, like an eighteen wheelers coming down the Lindsay, road. Lindsay does listen to this, but uh, that wasn't supposed to be mean. But she should oil her gravel bike chain. <laughs> no, I mean that that is like we will. I think depending on how attached you are to a bike, the more you lube it or don't lube it. So if it's like your right. your tarmac, your your super high end like top of the line favorite bike, you have it. That's what you have, right? No, you have a Venge, Nick. I have a Venge. Um, yeah, you're probably gonna lube it like twice on a ride but if it's you know if it's your your mountain bike lube in the jersey pocket (laughs) yeah if you just got your mountain bike off craigslist you probably care a little bit less but i mean ideally especially if it's wet or anything like that just like kind of get in the habit of wiping it down before each ride and putting a little bit more on um it should never be dripping or anything like that but i just i think doing it every ride just a little bit every ride oh i thought you were kidding Oh, I, I okay. Well, uh, no, again, that, this that is totally great, but totally condition dependent. Like you live in a in a fake place that has no dirt <laughs> or wet or anything. Right. But when we go ride, there's always dirt on the road, and we ride on dirt roads, or it's right. raining a little bit. So, yeah. if you can hear it, it's too late. I'll often do it before a hard workout. Like an important ride. Yes, you right. Know? Got like, it. Like, oh, everything has to be dialed for this ride. Lube the chain, pump the tires, all that. Um, and then how often should people be degreasing their drivetrain, do you think, Eric? Like full, like, like de- putting the degreaser on there, brushing it off, hosing oh. it down, cleaning it off. A few few weeks. Like, I mean, whatever your whatever your threshold for that is, I guess. Every few weeks? You're, you're like putting degreaser on your chain every few weeks? I mean, I'm not... No, I, I'd no, say I'd say like he's not. I'd say once a month. Wow! I squir- I, I spray it with degreaser. Right. We have some just like some WD forty degreaser right. stuff. So I'll spray it really well with that and like wipe wipe wipe, wipe, wipe. wipe. But I'm not like getting out a toothbrush. I'm not doing that. I'm not yeah. pulling the chain off the okay. bike. Yeah, cool. Wow, that's still a lot. You guys really do take really good care of those bikes. I just I just think it gets a lot dirtier here, man. That's all. Yeah. You know, like when I was in California, probably never. I'm doing it like once every six months or once a year. But I'm doing I, like you a know, full clean, clean with yeah, it. Yeah, I, I honestly think that's still totally fine as long as you're really wiping down the chain well. Okay, just when you when you do the lube process. Okay, cool. Typically, you want to like lube the chain and then wipe off excess, and that some grease will dirt will come off with it. You know. Okay, cool. And then I'll save this uh, this other one for another day because it's a long conversation. But I do have one quick question for you guys. Neither of you have those oversized jockey wheels. Do you think that's worth it, or is it just blingy, or what do you think? Um, blingy. I mean, when you spin them, there is a noticeable difference between those and like a bushing jockey wheel. Um, and I've had them before. I, I had some ceramic speeds like four years ago. 
I don't, unfortunately, I don't think they're worth 300, yeah, 400, for 500 half a bucks. lot or whatever it is or what, I, yeah. who knows what they claim, but yeah. If money is no object, they look pretty cool and why yeah. and go for it. Why not? Right. But <laughs> I think you're way better off to really upgrade and have the best tires you can. You can get like five, six, seven Watts out of really right. nice tire, tires. tires. Right. Yeah. Cool. Well, I, unless you guys have anything else, I think we can move on to the questions, right? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So once again, you can send questions into that triathlon life brand at gmail.com. Okay, so the first question uh, is, hey, Paula, Eric, and Nick, if you could choose swim, bike, run segments from 70.3 races, what would be your dream favorite 70.3 triathlon? So he's saying like you can pick any swim from any race, oh. any bike from any race, and any run from any race and kind of Frankenstein them together. Sweet. Wow. That was a great question. Uh, none. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wrong. I mean, I would vote for that swim from Couples Try. That was a great swim. That was good, yeah. I did like that swim very flat. But he's talking about 70.3 races that people would maybe know. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the Oceanside Swim because you get to go out into the waves and it breaks it up a lot at first. But then you swim back in the bay so you don't have to go into the waves and take advantage of like the the currents coming in, which is sometimes really hard to nail. So Oceanside Swim. Yeah, so basically you get the sucky part of swimming in the ocean and none of the fun part. <laughs> of riding the waves in, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if we could just reverse that, right. it'd be great. I'd love to go out in a lake and come in in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, can we use the first half of 170.3 and the right. second half of another 70.3 swim? Uh, no, but- I would agree. That's pretty fun. Oceanside's a fun swim. Bike, I would pick St. George, and run, I would pick Santa Cruz. Oh, that's great. Eric. Oh, the Santa Cruz run is so good, yeah. yeah. How about you, Eric? Because you, you do part of it on like the road, and then you go into the, the bluffs, and it's on trail. It's so beautiful. I did a workout with you guys on that on those trails. Yeah. That was really yeah. fun. Um, I'm just... I I honestly also really like the Oceanside bike. Like it's kind of a toss up for me between the Oceanside and the and the St. George bike. Oh, the mm, the Montreal bike's pretty cool too. But probably Oceanside just for like total it is it's a lot of different stuff. You're riding by the ocean and you ride inland and then you're doing rolling hills and it's kind of got a little bit of everything some wind to deal with. You're not going to get bored. Yeah, that's fun. And what about the run, Eric? No, yeah, I totally agree with the Santa Cruz run. Santa Cruz run. For sure. Nick, have you done enough races to be able to answer? I don't think so. I was going to say for the swim, Santa Cruz, because you go around the pier. And then for the bike, Mm. St. George, because it's so, I mean, so beautiful. It's Mm. not just, people just see Snow Canyon, but there's a lot of it that's really beautiful. And then for the run, I would say, I would say Santa Cruz as well. But I've only also done like, uh, Santa Rosa and Indian Wells, like I haven't done that many other races. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did like the Santa Rosa run actually. That was all on path. Or it like was. On, uh, it just dirt. wasn't as it wasn't very scenic. No, no yeah. but it's good for the joints. Yeah. The original yeah. Santa Rosa. <laughs> good for the old uh, joints. Vine Man. The Vine Man course. That was supposed to be legendary. Right. I'll never get to do that now. Fun question. Yeah. And then this this person who is unnamed, but uh, also said, have you ever worked with a sports psychologist before or have you ever felt the need to? Yeah, I did work with one back when I was uh, kind of on like the Canadian national team. And there's a whole support staff that surrounds you when you're in that environment. So a physio, a sports psychologist, a coach, 
And so we'd have like weekly meetings and it was moderately helpful. I think, um, I think an important aspect of that is really liking your sports psychologist and trusting them and not just being, not that it was forced upon me, but it's not like I like picked who I was working with and had a really good relationship with them necessarily. Um, but I know a lot of athletes who have benefited enormously from working with someone that they really trust, really like, and it doesn't have to be in person. It can be over zoom or over phone calls. I do think it can be a super critical part. I feel like I'm lucky to have like Eric and my mom and Nick and like friends that I really trust that I can talk to about things. And, but it just takes it one step further if you want to keep sort of like life and sport a little more separate and need help with specific things. Um, yeah, I've, I've never worked with a sports psychologist before, but I've, I've worked with just a regular straight up psychologist. And, um, the biggest thing that I got out of that was just like a mindfulness and being able to take a step back and think, okay, why am I thinking this? Where is that coming from? And you know, you don't want to like have that mental process every single day, but being able to check in with yourself and take a step back is, I think, really important. I was just talking to my girlfriend about this earlier. How like a, a good therapist—they don't necessarily just like, okay, here's the fix to your problems, or or just or stop doing this, or start doing this. It's yeah. it's more bringing certain attention and awareness to certain things. And yeah. I would imagine a good sports psychologist does the same thing, right? It brings awareness to certain things and makes you aware of certain, like maybe self-destructive tendencies that you have. And then it's still up to you to to make take steps to fix them. It's not like they just give you the the answer and you run away with it or anything. Yeah, yeah. I think ideally that's like a guided meditation almost, and you're having the realizations for yourself, and it's much more powerful that way than someone saying, "This is wrong." fix this, you know, if they can like show you the way and you have that realization yourself of, oh man, I just really get worked up for no reason or whatever, then that's going to stick and, and be more, more powerful. Right. Well, he has one more question or she has one more question. Uh, have you ever witnessed other pros self-sabotage themselves examples, but not, not limited to parting days before a big race. So they internally have an excuse as to why they didn't perform well. Yes. Like I was thinking of Paula, like changing her seat a bunch. And I was like, that's like, I was like, oh, it reminded me of this question because I had just read it earlier. Mm-hmm. I was not trying to self sabotage myself. Right. I didn't even, that was like, you ended, up, you ended up winning the race. So, yeah. <laughs> I've never, I've never seen it with anybody partying, just to use your example, but we see people all the time that'll look like, oh, I just, you know, they feel, go for a four hour bike ride two days before 70.3. And you're like, what are you I, doing? I can already see. Yeah. I can already see the Instagram like post right now. Oh, not the day I was hoping for, but you know, I'm in a big build and I did a four hour ride. To, you know, it's just like, right. yeah, just it don't go to the race if you don't. Yeah. Wanna. It happens a lot. It happens a lot. Yeah, I I don't really hear either of you ever make excuses. Um, <laughs> not when, into it. Yeah, especially you, Eric. I feel like I, something I really really like about you is like you you won't be on the podium. And you'll still tell me that you feel like you had a really good race for whatever reason because you're 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 looking for the positives and you'll be like, I, yeah. this is a, yeah. something I've been working on, and I did a really good job at it today. Yeah, Eric's yeah. good at that. And even like in Santa in in Oceanside last time, you know when you had that kind of gnarly crash, the, yeah. I remember like the first thing you were telling me was like I was feeling so good, like it's a really good sign for my fitness. And I was like, this guy's so positive, I love it. yeah well i mean there's a lot to it you know like one thing that like bothers me for sure is when somebody goes and and gets third and then they make an entire post about how they 
oh, it's not the day, and all oh, they just were pushing training watts, and all oh, you know this, and it's like, how many people have, are never going to make it on a podium, and and that's all they've ever dreamed of, and like, why do you think that you should win every race by ten minutes, and like, there's got to be something that went right here, you know? Yeah, um, totally. So. I just yeah I just there, there's there's always something positive and of course you want to do better but to always act like you should have just destroyed everyone and I don't know why I didn't is like that's I wonder of, if it's just part of the mindset that it, it takes to be a professional athlete is that like you're never good enough like the only thing you like more than winning is not losing. Like you just have everything everything is just no not enough not enough not enough because any normal person's like okay, this is enough. Like, I don't need to suffer more than this. For what reason? Like, why am I making mm-hmm. myself do this? And I think the kind of personalities that do that, they they are kind of like, they never stop. Yeah. Sure. But I, just, I don't know. I don't really necessarily think you need to like bring that out into the open and, and dwell on that super hard. And there's so many people out there that are just doing it for fun and trying to get to the finish line in the, in the age group field and everything. And to like just perpetuate that cycle of never being satisfied with, you know, just like, Hey, you got to go and do triathlon all day long on the weekend and you're probably getting paid to do it. Like how bad is life? I just think you got to remember that people don't expect you to win everything. You know, like they're just, they're excited for you. And if you tell them you had a good race and you're excited for it, they're going to fuck. Yeah. Awesome. He's excited about it. You know, but if, if you win world championships and say you're disappointed, they'll be disappointed with you. Yeah, no, that's a, that's exactly right. It's a, you're setting like the kind of character that you are and the expectation for of who you are after races when you say those mm-hmm. kind of things. Mm-hmm. Okay, next question is from Tim Dickerson. He says, I'm an age grouper who just so happens to have registered for Ironman St. George prior to it becoming the 2021 World Championship. I, I guess he means... Oh, it is 2021, right? Yeah, because there was no 2021 World Championship. I raced the 70.3 in 2019 and struggled a great deal in Snow Canyon on the bike and on Red Hills Parkway on the run. Mainly the heat hit me the hardest, being from Spokane, Washington. Getting access to dry, intense heat can be tough without traveling to the desert south. What are your suggestions for preparing for the intense sun and the heat of the St. George course? The week of the race suggestions? Do you have any race day suggestions for the heat, i.e. clothing, fueling, etc.? And also says, though you may not be racing, will TTL be in St. George for the World Championship race? Probably not. But I do have a good answer to the question. Um, I'd say if you live in Spokane and you're racing St. George in May, it's it, you could start a heat protocol, like a prep, right now. And that usually includes right after your last session of the day or one of your sessions in the day, go into a sauna and increase the amount of time you spend in there just to get your sweat response going and to get used to that kind of heat. Um, if you don't do any heat prep at all and you go into St. George and it's a really hot day, that's going to be hard. That's what happens to me. And I, I think St. George in May could be not hot. Like Historically, it's kind of unpredictable, so it's good to be prepared for anything. And I would say there's nothing really race week you could do to prepare for the heat. In fact, you should probably stay out of the heat as much yeah. as you can race week. Don't go like try to hang out in the sun to acclimate in the week of. That's yeah. great advice. That's really yeah. good advice because some people may mistakenly think, oh, finally I'll get used to the heat. That's no, it's too no. late. You're it's just going to dehydrate yourself. Yeah. It really does start five weeks out, I think, the heat prep. And it's it's not a ton. It if you don't have access to a sauna, you can like do it at your gym or you could even do a hot tub protocol. We've done that before where you'll go sit in a hot tub right up to your ears for 20 to 30 minutes after hard sessions and it's super uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's on the internet, but there's also a protocol that was used before Beijing where you like sit in your bathroom with the shower on basically and just ride it like 
a oh, very yeah. easy power output on your trainer. Yeah, Eric's done that. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, it, 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 I'm sure it's published on the internet. Simon Whitfield did it and everything. It was, it was, it's a few years old, but it's effective. So. It's like a poor man's sauna. You just make your own sauna. Yeah, the, <laughs> the smaller the bathroom, just turn on the shower and get it super steamy in there and just sit and kind of like spin. Yeah, just as an anecdote, I did St. George 70.3 and it, I felt fine on the swim. I felt great on the swim. I felt great on the bike and did really well. And then halfway through the run, I just like started getting lightheaded and not feeling great at all. And I had done no heat prep for it at all. It was just a little too hot for me. And you got you guys were done like way earlier, obviously. Um, yeah, and that's but, the benefit of the pros. We could, well, it's <laughs> we the benefit of the seventy point three over the full. Like everyone's going to be in heat if it's right. hot in St. George in May uh, this year. So, oh yeah, like there's no uh, avoiding it, the heat. Yeah. yeah. In terms of on course things is just cooling with ice as much as you can. And if it's hot, I'm sure they'll have ice on course and electrolytes on the bike, like just anticipating the heat that's going to come later. If it's not hot right first thing in the morning, when you start the bike, it's a long day and yeah. the temperature is going to change. So just, you know, get prepared for that. Yep. Cool. I mean, those are just like all the anecdotal things. You can of course go get sweat rate testing and all that and get super scientific about it. But, um, if that's not an option, Oh yeah, I forgot because you can measure how much sodium loss you have when your sweat rate, right? Yeah, you could you could go crazy, um, but then like Paula said, <laughs> it could be snowing in St. George. It could be eighty nine degrees. You know, you don't really know. So right, um, cool. Well, thank you, Tim, for that question. Our next question is from Lydia, and I'm going to read the the pre part to it. Okay. She said, "Hi, Paula, Eric, and Nick. Since there's Kate, I can't claim to be the number one fan of TTL, but I'll settle <laughs> for number one European fan." Kate, oh, nice. for people who don't know, is our youngest and number one fan. How old is she's she again? Ten. She's 10. She's 10. Yeah. Not like her friend who's nine. So yeah. young. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so she says, here's my question. I'm moving to Germany for three months for research, and I really, really want to bring my bike with me. What are your tips for traveling with your bike, both in terms of logistics of travel and packing it and sending it versus carrying it with you? Lydia. Hmm. Well, the I don't know if they have it in Europe, but over here we have tri bike. No, no, bike flights, bike flights, so and tri bike transport. But that's for races yeah, only. I think. That's for races. Yeah. So the the absolute simplest thing and, and most expensive thing that you could do is take it to your bike shop and say, "I just want it packed in a box and sent to this address," and they'll probably charge you two hundred bucks, and it'll arrive there, and you can take it to a different bike shop and have them build it for you. Um, then the other thing you could like take matters into your own hands and watch some YouTube videos, get yourself a bike travel case, which you would use for a race and, and learn that whole process. I would say that's worth it if you anticipate ever flying again with your bike. And I really like having my bike along with me while I travel. Most likely chance of getting it there on time with you, although bikes get lost in flights, but it's happening less and less knock on wood. Um, we have Sycon bike bags. We're not sponsored by them, but we actually both just ordered Thule bike bags because we have a good relationship with Thule and they are beautiful bags. They'll protect it really well. They're really easy to pack. And the Sycons are just really popular because it requires the least disassembly. But the Thule I'd say is way more protective of the frame and everything. Yeah, just kind of hard-sided versus soft-sided. We we haven't had any issues, knock on wood, with the Sycons, but um, yeah. feels like we should have an issue. <laughs> it's <laughs> they're a little. It's crazy. Little... Those bags, are, they're not like reinforced at all. It doesn't seem no. like they're fully soft they're bags. They're so floppy. Yeah. I, I think like part of the way, it, the reason it works is because it, it all moves. It's None of it's like super rigid, so 
it can kind of just like amoeba around other bags and stuff. Yeah. Carbon and amoeba I, don't really mix in my amoeba mind. Amoeba around. I don't know. I was trying what to word up. is that? I was trying, well, you know, like an amoeba. I know. Right. I would have never thought of that in the top of well, my brain well, while saying Eric's something. a creative, okay? He comes up with these things on the spot. <laughs> I haven't used that word since like grade nine science. Yeah. But but if you have like a hard-sided case, sometimes I think they just take that as liberty to stand on yeah, it. You're right. And you're like, oh, this one's hard. Like put a, put 12 other bags on top of it. Wait, am I right? Doesn't Thule have a hard case that you don't have to take the base bar off? Like you don't have to take handlebars no, off? No. That's called Bike Box Allen. It's from the UK. Oh, okay. Yeah. Also a good option, but it's not hard to get in, okay. the, in the US. Got it. And they're probably to, crazy big. Yeah, they're pretty big and heavy. But to answer uh, Lydia's question, I would say travel with it on the airplane. Yeah. Invest in a bike bag. Go for it. Yeah, just try bike. Tr- uh, yeah, bike flights is just- I think unless you're someone who is like moving from one place to another and never going to move again and isn't racing, the, uh, the correct answer is always just buy a bag, learn how to do it yourself. Yes, totally. Or have a boyfriend who does it for you. Yeah. Babe. I can do it Babe. myself. I can do <laughs> <Babe>. it. <laughs> Sometimes Eric's just like, I'm doing it, so I don't yeah, have to like get it, called on. Yeah, like you go make dinner, I'll pack the bags, and this will be super efficient. Win-win right. for me. Cool. Cool. Okay, next question is from Chris. He says, what are your thoughts on putting aero bars on a road bike for long distance? I'm guessing he's talking about clip-ons for long distance triathlon, specifically 70.3. There's a lot of debate around the ability to achieve a proper triathlon position on a road bike with aero bars or if this is a worthwhile endeavor. However, I think the results of Gustav Eden in 2019 70.3 Worlds and obviously Taylor Nib at 2021 70.3 Worlds and Collins Cup prove there are no major handicaps with this approach. So as long as you're in good shape. Mm. I understand. Well, as long as you got a F as long as you're 90, insane, you're yeah. be fine. <laughs> Um, let's see. I understand the triathlon bike is the most ideal choice. However, for most age groupers who aren't vying for any world championships or breaking any records, I don't see it economically viable to purchase a tri bike in addition to a road bike. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Then don't. I would say anyone who asks me if they should get a tri bike or a road bike, I say a road bike because you're going to ride it more because it's so much more comfortable, so much more enjoyable. And the clip-on bars are a good option. I think you just have to change the saddle position a little bit. And some bike companies actually have specific bikes that are kind of meant to be ridden with clip-ons like Trek has a bike specialized. I don't know. There, there are bikes. That it's, are- it's not, it's not ideal quote unquote, and it's not going to ride quite like it was designed to be ridden as a road bike. And it's not going to quite ride like a TT bike should be ridden, but it's possible. The thing is, is yeah, I don't know. I, I would just like get a road bike and like throw the clip-ons on there and not like mess with the fit way too much. And then if you decide you're super serious and want to keep doing triathlons and go really fast and yeah. get a cheap TT frame will get you just a lot of extra speed just getting into that better position. So The things that come to mind for me are road bikes don't have hydration built in. They don't have a bento mm-hmm. box where you can put food built in. So like yeah. thinking of Taylor Nib with all the gels taped onto her top tube, that's I think a pretty big difference. And then like as you were saying, Saddles for the UCI legal bikes, saddles can't go a certain amount forward beyond the bottom bracket. So most road bikes, you just can't get as far forward as a saddle position as triathlon bikes. No. So that's yeah, another exactly. little thing. There are things that like start to add up, but as far as like aerodynamics, clip-on bars get you like ninety five percent of the way there. I agree. As yeah. far as your body yeah. position. And so bottom line, you could like I did my first triathlon on a, a road triathlon on a mountain bike. Like anything will get you across the line and having a good time. We're just talking about speed. 
I at think, this point. I know? think the other thing is there are people like me who they want to try harder and work harder when they have cooler gear. So for me, like I want the TT bike, I want the triathlon specific bike because I feel like I'm more of a triathlete when I do it. But some people that doesn't even enter their mind at all. They're like, no, I just want to be out there having a good yeah. time. Then you definitely don't need a triathlon bike. No. Yeah, get one really nice road bike and yeah. put clip-ons on it. That's yeah. way better than buying two average bikes, Right, I think. Cool. Well, thanks for the question, Chris. Okay, next question is from Ella. Ella, eh, eh. Who remembers that song? Okay, next. In the last episode, Eric talked about more non-draft opportunities for Olympic distance races. I'm 16 years old and got into triathlon a few years ago. The draft legal path USA Triathlon encourages doesn't really suit my strengths. It's been really hard to find a competitive non-draft races for my age group due to the emphasis on junior draft legal circuit. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I was wondering if you wished you had more options as a teenager getting into triathlon besides the traditional draft legal Olympic pathway. Do you wish there was a more solid pathway for younger athletes who are interested in racing 70.3 and now PTO races when they hit the age requirement? Yeah, this, this is so hard. Um, I didn't do my first draft legal race until I was like 17. My parents just said, you're not flying to triathlons. That's that's ridiculous. We've got five that are within driving distance, and you just do those every year. Um, it, it, it's, it's really hard because there used to be the LA, I mean, the Lifetime Fitness Series. That but I, I think like. she's talking about her specific age group. And even at those races, there's not really an age group that caters to 16 and under athletes. No. But no. I think the answer to this is you kind of are setting yourself up well for racing long distance and non-draft races. If you just dive into the draft legal racing, it makes you a better swimmer. It makes you a better bike handler and it makes you a fast runner. And it's a really good developmental pathway to get into long distance racing. Even if it's not your strength and it doesn't suit you for one reason or another, regardless of that, I think it's really important as a young athlete to give that a try. And then as you get older, as you get towards not 18 or 19, you can start doing some non-draft races because they come be, there they do exist. And if you have the foundation of non-draft, your skills will just be better, I think. So, what do you it's think? Just, I mean, the only thing that came to mind with that is like if you're just awful at swimming and you're off the back of and you're not in a pack ever and you're doing it solo like that can be super disheartening so like we both had the uh, the advantage of being good swimmers coming into that um, but if you're only 16 I agree with Paula you should improve your swimming anyway yeah like improving it, it is so it is so terrible to be in a draft legal race and have the pack just putting just minutes on you right and then you're by mile. yourself right yeah, at, at the beginning just, of the bike right so I don't know I, I would I would also just add to that like go to local races go to any local non-draft that you can and just and try to win them outright in the meantime and then try to go to a couple draft legals to dip your toe in that if you can each year yeah and if swimming is your weakness just swim a lot like maybe join a swim club i don't know it it is going to be a limiter when you get to non-draft too because of the how elevated the level is now and everyone's coming from the non-draft from the from the draft legal world and they're all good swimmers so we're not picking on ella here it's just uh we don't know what why it doesn't suit her strengths um but if it is swimming i think learning to swim as a younger athlete is a lot easier than learning to swim when you're in your 20s or 30s yeah i was just gonna say watch lionel's videos and you'll see how hard it is to learn how to swim as an adult like he's struggling with it so hard and he's an unbelievably fit athlete and still having such a hard time with the swim yeah. 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 Now, the, the, I mean, the, the reason that we kept going on about this, and we don't have like a super killer answer. So this is just a huge, it's a, it's a big struggle with the the pipeline these days. So it's it's a good question. And but it's becoming more and more of a relevant topic as the PTO is putting up races that are 
a lot of prize money and long distance is becoming more appealing for athletes. They don't want to go to the Olympics. They want to race an Ironman or a half Ironman or a PTO event, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So cool. it's a good question, even though I don't have a good answer. So yeah, LR, our advice is to, it's hard to look further than like this year or next year, especially when you're that young, but you got your whole life ahead of you and you might as well do those races now. Cause like, I don't even know where I would do a draft legal race. Yeah, they're uh, actually really I? fun. <laughs> like, uh, can I do it as like a no as a no one thirty two yeah, year old? They have age group races now for for draft legal. Oh wow! You have to really seek it out. Got it. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, Ella, thank you for the question. Our next question is from David, and he said, "I just got a four month old high energy puppy, and I'm having trouble balancing taking care of her while also staying consistent with training." I was training about eight to 10 hours a week beforehand, so I can't even imagine training full-time with a puppy. How do you balance having Flynn and all his energy with your training? <laughs> I run with him every day. Yeah, so you, so you do all your training, plus then you also run with him. No, no, we, we work him into our training in, in the wintertime, basically right up until summer. We can't, we can't take him out in the summertime because he gets hot too quickly. But in the winter, we'll try to take him on one run a day or every other day with us, like our like what we did today, our easy evening run. And then, but sometimes like just every morning as well, we have to, we take him to the pool with us and we play fetch for 15 minutes and then he sits in the car while we swim and then we play fetch for 15 minutes and then we go home. It's, (laughs) it's a freaking, it's a thing. (laughs) (laughs) We don't always love it, but we're lucky to have a dog that actually is a really good runner. And he did 10 miles of like tempo running with Eric on the weekend. Like he can run fast. Miles. So yeah. it used to be no 10K sweat. was the limit. Well, that's still pushing it. But the. Like I said, heat dependent. Yeah, it was like kind of snowing out. He was totally fine. He's not injured anymore. He's not injury prone anymore. So yeah. he. The, our ideal scenario is to kill two birds with one stone, take him on our run with us. He gets tired. We're doing our training. Yeah. He's pretty good though too. If we just take him for a walk, he just bounds through the forest insanely and you can just kind of walk slowly and he'll do the bird dog thing and like sweep the entire forest while you walk in a straight line. Um, but like as far as puppies go, he's a COVID puppy. We got him during COVID. If we were racing professionally while trying to make it through the puppy phase, I it'd be hard. We just did. We just never did. We didn't do it. COVID was the only opportunity we had to get through the puppy phase. What's Flynn's VO2 max in your opinion? 2000 we were wondering about this because he's just like he's like a lung attached to the four little <laughs> spindly legs his whole torso is just lungs <laughs> yeah so that's probably over a hundred right <laughs> i wonder i wonder that um okay great thank you david uh our last little question here is from <laughs> aaron jamie senna emmy and zulu from ann arbor michigan so it's a joint right. it's a joint question here whole squad uh so their question is being that as a triathlete couple, you have both your professional and personal lives overlapping daily, much like my husband and I, what is your go-to self-care slash solo activity to unplug and make some time for you? Oh, Paula, do you even have question. one? Uh, well, I get manicures and pedicures now as of last month. I noticed that. Solo time. I noticed that, actually. <laughs> I noticed that in Florida. I was like, Paula has a pedicure. <laughs> It was actually a funny story. As she's getting ready to go to the pedicure, our friend Samantha, who actually takes some pictures for us for TTL, talked her into it. Oh, and that's, she's, I was like, no way Paula thought of this on her own to get a pedicure. Was, was not a spontaneous thing, no. And she's telling me, oh, I can't believe this. This is such a waste of time. I did not time. say that it's uh, a waste of time. I went because I wanted to hang out with Samantha, right. not you, because you, I wanted you, a manicure. Right, you thought the pedicure was a waste of time. You just were like, I'll hang out with Samantha because she is cool. Yeah, it's yeah. a cool time to like, you know, socialize. So I guess this isn't really my solo 
time, but it could be. You could go by yourself, and I really liked the outcome. Yeah. Paula comes back, oh my God, I should get manicures, pedicures all the time. I should go like once a week. That was so fun. I love that. That's, Total about face. That's great. That's and, awesome. Eric, and Eric was like, what a transformation. Yeah. <laughs> he sees my toes colored. That's great. I'm like, sign me up for that. Oh, that's funny. Um, Eric, what about you? I have an idea, but... <laughs> I didn't even know what the question was. I got so curious. It was, away. what do you do that's like personal away? It's not with Paula. That's not... That's not professional. Mm. Um, like I really like just tinkering on things. So I've got a motorcycle that doesn't run currently and going and <laughs> rebuilding the carburetor on that for the 17th time. Or um, if I'm not trying to build a bike like for the video, sometimes I'll just go, you know, like tune up the bikes or whatever, just hang out in the garage and garage time and chill. Yeah. yeah. That's like my space and put on some good music. Yeah. You build the playlist too, like the TTL sweat. How about you, Nick? Jeez. I have like, too many. I have so many things. I'll work on little videos that I really like. I'll work on uh-huh. songs that will never have a an endpoint just to try new stuff out. I love like trying new software for things out. I like like Eric just sent me some footage today that I wanted to try a new stabilization technique on. So just like I like learning about like music and film software stuff. I guess yeah. But, but then also like I I love it's a little bit work though. It's a little bit yeah. Worky. I guess I I normally I'm like. I love socializing. I like hanging out with people mm-hmm. and meeting new people. That's yeah. I, yeah. I really like that. Yeah. yeah, no solo time. There's a big yeah. difference too between like when you have to do a thing, just like what we were talking about with this, the work, the training schedule, and the numbers and stuff. Like you stabilizing a software clip that's not even going to get you stabilizing a clip that's not even going to yeah. You you told me like it's not going in. I'm like well, yeah, I just wanted to try it out. Right, right, yeah. That's fun and learning. Learning is fun. I just, I just want to say, and you can take this out or not or whatever. Like, um, we were kind of debating whether or not we should read an entire, you know, like the letter that someone writes and then the question that comes after it. Cause they are super heartfelt and we read them and we love them so much, but it feels like maybe they're too long to read. But just in case we didn't actually write you back and we just read off your question, just want to let you know, we love reading them so much and we do read all of them. So. Yeah, Paula reads all every single one of them first, and then she sends me. I think most of them, and yeah, then I, I pick of those. I pick the ones that I think would be best to be read on the on the podcast itself. Yeah. But like, yeah. Paula reads every single one of them. I also read all the ones that she sends me. So, and, and I, re- I get the best ones. You do. She sends she sends me the best ones, and then I you know I cry about it. And, yeah, they're really and, nice. I mean, people are really nice. And I'm not sure if it's like this week we tried to just read the questions and not read the whole thing, but I'm not sure if that's the best thing. Cause it's kind of nice to know. like have that little, well, we'll see. That's, those are all the questions, but before we end, we want to do a quick little rapid fire with Paula. And uh, we have gotten uh, tons of hate mail saying that we don't do rapid enough, that we go too too far in depth. It's mostly just my girlfriend who complains to me that the rapid fires aren't rapid. So <laughs> Toby, we're trying. We're, we're trying, trying, Toby. Um, I tried to make the questions much uh, much more simple. Like you'll just spit out the top thing that comes to your head. Yeah, like what is your favorite movie? Is not a rap play. Like, that's a thirty-minute thinking process. Goodwill right hunting. Goodwill hunting. Easy. <laughs> Easy. Okay, are we ready to dive into this? Yes. Okay. Wait. How do we want to do this? Is like, should Eric do one and then I do one and then Eric do one and I do one, or should we no, both, you'll do- both do? You'll both do both because most okay. of them are one-word answers. These are okay. these are pretty quick. Okay. These will be rapid. Okay. So if you're out walking, for example, 
Would you listen to podcast or listen to music? Music. All right. Uh, cake or pie for dessert? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, pie. I'm thinking of a specific pie. My mom makes this German ch- silk, French I silk think, pie. I think pie. My mom's pecan pie. Wow, you guys are oh, savages. Yeah. I don't like pie at all. This wow. is wild. Mom's uh, Paula's mom is fantastic at making pie, and her and Paula don't like pie. Well, that's great news for it's, you, Eric. That sounds like a, that best. sounds like a home run. <laughs> Christmas the only, is it's a dream. the only reason my dad married my mom is because she makes pie really well. Um, okay, work hard or play hard? Play hard, obviously. Oh my god. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, my work uh, is play, so that's why it's easy. That's what we feel like. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Play hard. Well, today was not all play. Today no. was so hard. <laughs> yeah. I still feel sick. Okay. Um, would you rather have a nice ho- house or a nice car? House. Yeah. House. House. Yeah, Emphasis on location. Yeah. Location. I, I'd rather live in a shoebox in a cool place than in a nice place in an uncool area. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Whatever cool means to me, I guess. Yeah. Uh, ocean or mountains on that topic? This is not Probably mountains. I, I guess I would say mountains too. Really? Even though you live by the ocean? Well, I like that the oceans are next to the mountains. The ocean is next mm. to the mountains. Got it. Yeah. So both. I need both. I, okay. need, I need oceans and mountains. Wow. Selfish. Yeah. Sorry. Just kidding. Not selfish. That's a, <laughs> I mean, I, I would love to live near the it ocean. It would be great. But I, I like mountain activities more, like skiing and Same. running in the mountains versus like surfing or swimming in the ocean. Although the beauty of the ocean is undeniable. It's, it's the visual beauty of the ocean I'm more attracted yeah. to rather than yeah. being inside of it. Oh, we're, exactly. This rapid fire is really going downhill. We're okay, hamburger <laughs> or taco? <laughs> taco. Burrito. That's not one of them. Right? <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, taco. Eric. Eric, he's such a rebel. Okay, pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Uh, on that note, we need a waffle iron. So if anyone has a suggestion of the best waffle iron you can buy, let us know. Can, can, we, can we get like a cross section of the best slash um, some, some yes. sort of affordability <laughs> factor? It's like the twenty five hundred dollar gourmet <laughs> yeah. French waffle I went maker. On to, I went on to Williamson. I went to buy a waffle maker, and you can get like a six hundred dollar waffle maker. Yeah, and I'm like, Eric, we should just get this one. It's so cool. I was like, point point to the reasons why it's six hundred. <laughs> yeah, Williamson. Okay. Card games, board games, or no games. Board no games. games. Board games. Yeah, I agree, I like Board games, yeah. Board games. Uh, this is like a little bit of a sample question for future merch. Crew neck or hoodie? Crew. Crew. Crew, for sure, crew. Hoodies make me feel like loungy, you know? Like I'll wear it in the house, but I don't really wear hoodies out. I, th- I, th- I think you need like a, it needs to be a really nice like fitted hoodie instead of just like a, a bag. Yeah, c- hoodies, crews are just a little more... I guess elegant and and can be worn in more places. Very versatile. Very yeah. versatile, especially the crews we have coming in June. Oh, they're so nice. Those, those are wait. so cool. People people have people will they're have no ready. idea. No, people no. Not ready they for have this. no idea what these are going to be. <laughs> You'd have to. Yeah, you can wear it to a nice restaurant, or you yeah. can wear it to a travel. Yeah, exactly. Um, last question, and this was actually a question Eric came up with: Is your favorite kind of bubbly water? Since there's so many options, you go to the grocery store, there's like a billion brands. I usually just buy what's on sale, but my current favorite is Spindrift, which is like a little bit of juice in it. So obsessed with it, but it's the most expensive. So I like try to only have one a day, but usually I have three a day. Are we surprised that Paula <laughs> likes the most expensive one? 
course not. I, I came up with this, and I t- honestly can't think of more than two right, right. now. <laughs> I'm like, uh, Costco brand or Vons <laughs> brand. <laughs> there is a definite difference in the taste quality of like a no-name brand versus a LaCroix. Look, I'm going LaCroix. LaCroix. I think for me, it's uh, my the one we make here. We make it, we have a soda stream, and then we have a little flavor thing. That's my favorite. Uh, That's we should really favorite. do more soda stream. It's so, oh my God, life changing. Target, Target we, is tragically far away from us. We have a soda stream, but we need to replace the cartridge. Yeah. It's my terrible excuse. I actually just had a late breaking realization polar. Oh, polar interesting. Water. Yep, is my favorite. Yeah, polar is good. I think if you, in the US, I, all of a sudden people like sparkling water, but it's a recent thing. In like in Europe, sparkling water is like a, has been a, a, a big deal for a long time. So if you grew yes. up with that, now knowing that you can just make it at home, it's like mm-hmm. a huge life hack. Yeah, that's true. That's very cool. Because I remember going to Europe when I was young. Cone, yeah, like cone gas. When cone I gas. was, yeah. And I would be, always be asked gas or no gas. And I, I didn't like sparkling water back yeah. then. So I'd always say just still water. But now it's like, yeah, somehow becomes so popular in the US and now it's flavor. And it is Canada the enough. same as the US where yes. you guys like pretty much don't have it? But now all of a sudden everyone wants it. Totally. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Even cool. Jelly Belly makes even Jelly Belly makes sparkling water now. That's outrageous. So, that but like so the jelly beans? Yeah, stick to what you're doing. Oh my you know, god. That's candy. No. <laughs> oh my Coming god. next week, TTL bubbly water. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. Make millions. Might as well. Make millions. It's actually the on Shark Tank, there it seems like every single episode there's somebody pitching up bubbles right. of some sort. <laughs> Well, that was pretty quick for rapid fire. Hopefully, Toby approves. The bubbly water got a bit out of hand, but I uh, expected that. A few that. of them did, but I feel like there were some that were really good. And yeah. well, at least Paula was talking a lot for the bubbly. It wasn't just me and Nick, which I'm right. sure is probably why Toby doesn't like rapid right. fire. <laughs> she's like, she's like, oh, Nick and Nick version two are yeah, just talking the whole time. Great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Right. Well, I think that's it, right? We went through some questions. Yeah. You know, Monday comes around for us so quickly and that's when we record and we're like, are we doing this too much? But we have still been getting pretty good feedback and we think it's really fun. So thanks so much for listening. And uh, we hope to see as many of you as we can in Oceanside in a couple of weeks, although we'll have a couple of pods before that. Uh, yeah, good luck to Nick and his marathon next weekend. We're so excited Thank to you. follow. Thank you. Thank you, guys. <laughs> going to be so fun. Sub three. Sub three. Sub, Sub three, three project. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be I'm gonna be on course for 345, and then the last 10 minutes, I'll be like, let's fucking send it. <laughs> That's what we expect. <laughs> cool. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Cool.